Well, hello everyone and welcome to Valley Creek. I am so excited to be here with you. I am excited to be with all of our campuses and those of you that are joining us online or at Extension site, I'm glad to be with you. Can we just welcome each other together? Listen, I get excited when we get together because when we get together, exciting things happen like last weekend. What an Easter party you guys threw. I mean, across all of our campuses, in all of our services, thousands of people encountered the hope of Jesus. And so on behalf of our staff and our church and our city, I want to say thank you. For those of you who decided to come full of faith and with energy, thank you. For those of you who decided to serve at any of our campuses, wow, you guys were amazing. I mean, if you were opening doors, if you were serving coffee, if you were caring for children, if you were part of the prayer team or the production team or the parking lot team, and there's so many more, I can't name them all, you were outrageously great in loving people. You put the love of Jesus on display, so thank you for serving. Really, thank you for serving. And for those of you who decided to invite someone, or maybe you decided to accept an invitation for the first time, thank you for doing that. See, those decisions are important. Those decisions matter because those decisions bring hope, and hope changes lives. And when lives are changed, neighborhoods are changed, families are changed, and our city is changed. So thank you for throwing a great Easter party. So last week, when we talked about Easter, we talked about the fact that hope is here because Jesus is here, and we can encounter the hope of Jesus as we walk out our life with him. And the life of someone following Jesus is a life that is full of decisions. Have you ever stopped and thought about how many decisions you make, even in any one given day? I would bet that some of us made our first decision today before we even opened our eyes. You were laying in bed, the alarm clock goes off, and you make the pivotal decision to snooze button or not to snooze button. And in my house, in my house, that is a big decision because someone in my house is a morning person. And so that alarm is the sound of the, the dawning of a new day. It's a fresh canvas to take the paintbrush of life. Why would you want to hit a button to delay that? And other people in my house, not so much. They are not so much on the dawning or the paintbrush, not so much. But we make decisions. We make a lot of decisions about our work, about our family, about our finances, about our free time, about why don't we have more free time? We need to make decisions on that. And we end up making so many decisions that we can become exhausted. It can be exhausted making so many decisions. In fact, psychologists now have a clinical diagnosis that's called decision fatigue. Decision fatigue, this is what they define it as. It's the deteriorating quality of decisions made by an individual after a long season of decision making. In other words, decision fatigue is when you say, I have decided I am too tired to decide. This, this is decision fatigue. And so my question is, can you, can you relate? I mean, think about it. You're driving home from work and you're thinking about the decisions you've got to make. Man, I've got to decide how to manage my time next week and what am I going to do with all the stuff my boss is trying to put on my plate? And by the time we get home, we may be tired and we're with our family and we think, oh, there's family decisions to make. Like the next holiday that's coming, whose house are we going to go to? And, and summer's right around the corner. We've got to decide what we're going to do with the kids' activities and we've got to decide if we're going to take a family vacation. Oh, 
And then that makes you think about financial decisions. Like, do we have the finances to take a family vacation? And man, I've got to decide what to do. That credit card debt just isn't going down. And you think, maybe I should pick up more hours at work. And you're back into that loop again. It is just this vicious loop of decision-making. And to be honest with you, we can become so exhausted in that loop that we can't even make daily decisions. Simple ones, like what to have for dinner. Can I tell y'all what I cook at my house more than anything for dinner? I cook, I don't care. (laughs) I need every mother across every campus to get in this with me because we ask our families, hey guys, what do you want for dinner? And they say, I don't care. So I make grilled, I don't care, and baked, I don't care, and I don't care casserole. And because I'm Southern, we have chicken fried, I don't care, with a side of whatever. For dessert, we may have a piece of you pick pie. I mean, we laugh about it, but the truth is, if we're to the place that we can't make a decision on dinner, how in the world are we gonna make decisions about our destiny? See, I think the chaos of life has tried to steal our decision-making power. And too often what what happens is our decisions get made by routine and rut. What I mean by that is we live our lives in these routines. We go here, we go there, we do this, we do that. We go here, we go there, we do this, we do that. And the more that we do that and it gets faster and faster, the next thing you know, we don't make decisions, we just get deeper and deeper and all of a sudden we find ourselves in a rut. I mean, does this sound familiar to you? Your marriage. Do you feel like your marriage is in a rut? I mean, it may not be falling apart, but you're just thinking, man, I'd like to make some decisions, but I'm so far down in this thing. It's happened for so long. I feel stuck. I feel paralyzed. I don't even know how to make a decision. Maybe it's your job. Maybe you're thinking, I would love to make a decision to change some things or improve some things, but I've been down here so long. I don't even know where to start. Maybe it's your friendships. Maybe your friendship, the time you spend with friends, it's just become so routine that it's down here and you're thinking, man, I end up walking away from my friends and I feel lonely instead of fulfilled. Can I just tell you that God wants more for you and me than living a life where our decisions are made by routine and rut. And I can say that with confidence because God found a guy who was living in that kind of life and he called him to a much greater life. That guy's name was Moses. You remember Moses. So Moses was a guy in the Old Testament, and he had been living for 40 years as a shepherd. I don't know about you, but to me, that qualifies as a pretty decent rut. And the Lord saw him, and he says, hey, Moses, I'm going to call you to a better life. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to call you to go and to get the children of Israel. You're going to lead them out of slavery, out of Egypt. You're going to take them through the wilderness, and you're going to take them to the promised land. That's a big life with a lot of decisions to make. See, Moses had to first decide to break his routine, and he had to go over to this bush that was on fire, but it wasn't burning up, and that's where God called him. And then Moses had to decide to accept that call, and then when he was going to Pharaoh every day, not delivering the best news, he had to decide to be obedient to God in every one of those moves. And then he had to decide what in the world to do with these moaning, groaning children of Israel. They're going through the wilderness. I mean, they were just so grumpy. And he's thinking, what am I going to do? What am I going to do with these people? Moses had a life of pretty big decisions that impacted a lot of people. That's a lot of pressure. 
And so Moses made this decision and, and he did the best that he could at the end of his life. He's having one final talk with the children of Israel. See, they've seen him make all these decisions. So he's having one final talk with them and he's kind of summarizing what he's learned. And in Deuteronomy chapter 30, that's where we see it. Moses is speaking to them and he says, this day, I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, hold fast to him for the Lord is your life. Moses says, listen, I've, I've been around and I've made a lot of decisions. And what I'm here to tell you is it all boils down to this. You have a choice and you can choose life or you can choose death. The decision is up to you. And I just wonder today, do you have some decisions in front of you? I mean, maybe you've got decisions to make about your home or your job or your kids' activities. Or maybe you're wrestling with the decision of the heart. Like you're trying to decide, should I forgive that person? Should I give them one more chance? Should I take a risk on this relationship? Should I trust again? Should I love again? And those are some scary decisions. Okay, can I just tell you, I wanna make good decisions. I do, I really wanna choose life and I think you do too. So can we just have a conversation today about what it looks like to make decisions for life? Because I think there's a few things that if we do it, I think we can make those decisions and we can walk out a life, uh, decisions for life, exactly what Moses was talking about. So I think the first thing that we can do is simply this, we ask God. When we're trying to make a decision, I mean, doesn't it just sound like a good idea to ask God? He's got a really good track record on decision making. Think about it. He has decided how the planets are gonna be ordered. He's decided when the sun will come up, when the sun will go down. He's decided where the sea will stop, where the shoreline begins. And he's decided the size of a hummingbird's wings. Big decisions, small decisions. Our God knows how to make big, good decisions. And so he's like a parent, a good father. He wants us to come to him. I mean, parents, think about it. When your kids come to you and they want you to help them make a decision, don't you just lean into that? And it really doesn't matter if their decision is a big one or a small one. It doesn't matter because it's your kid and your kid matters to you. And God is the same way. He wants to speak in. He wants to help us. As parents, we give a higher perspective. He does the same thing. Look at what it says in Ephesians 5. Excuse me, in James 1, I'm sorry. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Okay, if you lack wisdom, that is the higher perspective. That's what God has for us that is that higher perspective in decision-making. And the rest of this verse gives encouragement and it gives a promise. Look at the encouragement. It says, ask God and he gives generously. I need a lot of wisdom. I don't know how much you need. I need a lot of wisdom. He gives it generously, and look at this, without finding fault. That means he doesn't blame us for what we don't know. And the reason he doesn't find fault with us is because we are in Jesus. So when he's looking at us and giving us wisdom, he's doing the same thing as if he was giving that wisdom to Jesus. That's amazing. And then it goes on with a great promise, and it says, it will be given. It doesn't say it might be. It doesn't say if you behave well enough, it will be. It says it will be given. So here's the question. 
If we know we have access to a God who makes great decisions, why don't we ask him? I mean, can I just ask you, how do you make decisions? How do you do it? Do you make it based on emotion? Do you make it based on risk? Do you make it based on logic? Because if our beliefs drive our behavior and we're not running to God, then I think we may have some ungodly beliefs. And one of them could be this. Maybe you say, you know what? My small decision, it doesn't matter to a big God, but it does. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew. In Matthew 10, Jesus is speaking and he says, you can buy two sparrows for only a copper coin. Think penny. And it says, yet not even one sparrow falls from its nest without the knowledge of our father. Aren't you worth much more to God than many sparrows? So don't worry. Your father cares deeply, deeply about even the smallest detail of your life. We have a father that sees the feather on every bird and he cares. And we see, have a father that sees every move that you make. And maybe that doesn't bring you comfort because maybe you had a parent that saw every move you made, but they saw it with a critical eye instead of a caring heart. Or maybe, maybe you had a parent that didn't see you at all. But man, I'm here to tell you today that we have a good father. He sees us and he cares about the smallest detail. He cares about your job. He cares about your relationship. Student, he cares about your class schedule and the teams you're trying to get on. It matters to him. You know why? Because you, you matter to him. Maybe that's not your struggle. Maybe your struggle is saying, you know what? I don't ask God to help me make decisions because frankly, I just don't believe that I can hear him. You say, I don't hear God's voice. I'll have some good news for that one too. Look with me at John 1. John 1 says this. It says, to all, all who receive him, to those who believed on his name, he gave the right to become children of God. What that means is this. When we place our faith in Jesus, when we say, Jesus, I don't want to go my way. I want to go your way. I don't want to make decisions, Jesus. I want you to make the decisions for me. That's actually what Moses meant when he said choose life. He meant choose Jesus. When we do that, we become children of God. And as a child of God, there are certain promises that are made to us. It goes on down in John 8 and it says, whoever belongs to God hears what God says. It's a beautiful if-then statement. If you belong to him, then you hear what he says. Could it be that you just haven't discerned his voice yet. Think of it like this. Okay, when we were born, we were born and we had physical ears. You didn't have to grow your ears, you had physical ears and you had the ability to hear. You didn't have to learn to hear, you knew how to hear, but you had to discern different sounds. And oftentimes the first sound that an infant will discern is the voice of its mother, why? Because that infant is completely dependent on her. Okay, the Bible says that when we place our faith in Jesus, we are born again. And so just like when we are born, we have physical ears. When we're born again, we get spiritual ears. That means we can hear God. But maybe we have to turn down the noise of this world and we have to turn up the sounds of heaven 
Because that's the only way that we are going to discern is when we become just as dependent on him. When we're making decisions and we are as dependent on him as an infant is, that's when you'll hear him. You may not hear him with your, with your ears. You'll hear him with your spiritual ears and it'll be in here and you will know that it is his voice because it will bring you peace. Maybe. Maybe you say, that's not my struggle either. Maybe you say, I don't ask God to help me with my decisions because frankly, I'm afraid. <laughs> I'm afraid of what he might say. I mean, what if he asks me to decide to forgive that person? What if he asks me to decide to turn down that job? What if he asks me to move to Botswana and that humidity is gonna mess with my hair every day? I mean, we're just afraid. What are we gonna hear? But man, I wanna tell you, Whatever our Father says, because He is good, it is for our best, even when it doesn't make sense to us. Sometimes heavenly decisions make no earthly sense. And you know who knew that? I'll tell you who knew that was David. Think about David. The Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. It says that David inquired of the Lord. That meant David over and over and over. He asked God. He asked God. He asked God. And David did some pretty crazy things. He was 15 years old and he decided to take down Goliath, a giant with a slingshot and a rock. That's pretty crazy. He ran most of his life from a king that was trying to kill him and yet he decided that he wouldn't retaliate. There was one time that David was in this cave and every, he had a chance to take Saul out. And all of his friends were saying, come on man, do it. And he decided not to. Why? Because God told him not to. I mean, even when Saul died, and everybody else was celebrating, David decided to mourn because he knew that that's what God had asked him to do. His decisions were unpopular and they were confusing to others, but he knew that he was walking in the way that God had asked him to. And the same is true of us. Look at Psalms 32. The Lord says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. He isn't watching you to criticize you. He is watching you to counsel you and care for you with love, to give you life. I mean, just think about it. How much more would we go to God and ask him to help us make decisions for life if we were confident that we could hear his voice and we knew he would say something loving to us? And that's what he wants to do. When we go to him, he cares and he guides us with love. So to make decisions for life, we ask God. Another thing we do to make decisions for life is this. We ask others. We ask others. We may not be quick to run to God, but boy, we are quick to run to our girlfriends, Siri and Alexa. <laughs> you know why? Because we can hey Siri and hey Alexa all day, any day, and those girls tell us what we want to know, and then we get to take credit for knowing it. <laughs> because let's be honest, we really don't want to ask other people. We want to make our decisions. Why? Because we're strong, because we're independent, because we got this, because we're self-sufficient. Can I just tell you, I think self-sufficiency is not helping us. I think it's really hurting us. Because when we live in this place where information is available to us at any time, it's really tempting to say, I don't want to wait on revelation from God. I want to get instant answers from Siri. And when we do that, it fosters this environment of performance and striving. And it's like, I want to make my decisions and put it out on social media so everybody will tweet it and reshare it and like it and all that stuff that they do. But here's the irony. Self-sufficiency and success, they don't even go together. Think about it. 
I want you to think right now in your mind, who in this world do you think of and you think, man, they are like a self-made person, they are a success. Championship sports teams, they're a team. They're making decisions together. Neil Armstrong, he didn't get to the moon on his own decisions. Others were helping him. And the same is true of Elon Musk and Steve Jobs and any actor or musician or celebrity that you know. They did not get there by themselves. They're standing on the shoulders of other people who have made decisions with them. They're just at the top of the pyramid and they're the ones that we see. So let me encourage you, and I'm going to encourage myself with this same thought. We don't need to buy into the lie of self-sufficiency. We need each other. We really need each other. We need godly, healthy people to help us make decisions. Proverbs tells us this. In Proverbs 11, it says this. Where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. That's an interesting word. There's safety. And you know why safety is important? Because decision-making involves risk. And man, I'll tell you, there's a lot of pressure when you're making things on your own. So can I just ask you, do you have people in your life that help you feel safe when you're making a decision? Or have you become really good at self-sufficient decision-making? Because if you have, maybe today's a good day just to ask God, God, will you bring those relationships into my life so that they can help me feel safe and I can do the same for them? What I'm really trying to say to you is I think that we don't ask others for help in making decisions for life because we really don't want their advice. We want their approval. We want them to approve what we have already decided. And I think this is really interesting. See if you can catch this. The questions we ask reveal decisions we've already made. The questions we ask, they reveal decisions that we've already made. Let me give you an example. We're going back to that. I don't know what I want for dinner. If I came to you and said, hey, can you help me make a decision for dinner? Should I have a Big Mac, extra large fries, a Coke, and three cherry pies, or... Should I have a Whopper with cheese, double onion rings, and a, sh- a chocolate shake? What do you think? Okay, what decision have I already made? Well, I've decided I'm wearing my stretchy pants tomorrow. I've decided I need a cardiologist. Maybe I need to back up. And what is that first question to ask? Like, hey, can you help me make a good choice for dinner? Students, when you ask the question, should I attend Baylor or A&M, what decision have you already made? You've already made the decision, but what about that first question? Did you ask somebody, hey, can you really process with me? I'm trying to see what is the Lord's best in this next season. When you ask the question, should I take the job on the East Coast or the West Coast, what decision have you made? But did you ask anybody that first question, hey, can you pray with me? I'm trying to figure out, is this a good time to uproot my family? What decision, excuse me, what question are you asking? What question are you asking today? And what does that question say about a decision that you've already made? Look, I'm going to be real honest with you and just say that in my life, I have learned, it's kind of been the hard way, that when I make decisions by myself, they're not the best decisions for me. They may not even be bad decisions, but they're not the best. When I am willing to humble myself and be vulnerable 
and bring in the people that are godly counsel and say, hey, can you help me because I know I've got a blind spot or two here and I can't see this. When I do that, that, that's when I find God's best decision for me. Sometimes we just get impatient. We get impatient in our circumstances and so we make decisions of convenience. And those decisions of convenience, we really don't care if anybody helped us make them or not and we want others to support it. But look what it says in Ephesians 5. It says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. See, sometimes when we're inviting others to process with us, it may not even be about them. It may not even be about us, but it's about honoring Jesus. It's about honoring him and saying, you know what? I believe that you've put these people in my life, and so I want to honor that. And I believe that you're teaching me how to trust godly counsel from a person I can see, and that's going to help me trust God when I can't see. So let me just encourage you. Don't ask others to reinforce a decision. Ask them to help you reach one. The last way that we can make a decision for life is simply this. Find freedom in the decisions God has already made. Listen, we've said that it's exhausting making decisions. You know what's more exhausting than that? When we make a decision and then we worry about it. That's the worst. But I'm telling you, God has already made decisions for us. And we can be at peace. We can be free when we align our decisions with those that he's already made. Think about it like this. Think about the Ten Commandments. A lot of people think the Ten Commandments, and they're thinking that it's rules. It's what you do and what you don't do. It's really not. It is really God saying, hey, I've made some decisions. This is what's best for you. I mean, just think of what it actually is. Telling the truth. That's that's a good idea. (laughs) Loving your mom and dad. Taking a day and actually resting. That's all really good. Not stealing stuff, not killing people. I mean, that is like God saying, hey, I've already made some really good decisions for you. And Jesus makes it even easier. Jesus sums it up and says, listen, it's all about two things, love God and love others. And if we can use that as the filter for our decision making, in every decision we ask, is this decision, is my decision going to love God or love others? That's when we can live free. Several years ago, when our, our kids were younger, um, we saved up some money, and we were going to take a summer vacation. And my husband, being the genius that he is, said, hey, what if we go to one of those all-inclusive hotels? You know, where you pay one price, and it covers, like, the room and the food and the activities and all that. And I said, wait a minute. You mean we can go someplace that I don't have to decide what we eat, when we eat, where we go? He said, yes. I said, salt. And so we decided to go, and when we got to the hotel, we, we took a map, and we took our two kids, we sat them down with, we said, okay, here's the deal. Do you see this map? This is the hotel. Everything inside of this map is all safe space, and you can do anything inside of this map that you want to. It's your decision. It's already been paid for, so you get to decide what you do and when you do it. My eight-year-old daughter at the time was like, whoop, she was in. She understood freedom, but it was kind of lost on our son. He was only four. It was lost on him until the next morning when we went down to the pool. We go down to the pool, and I'm getting things set out like a mom does. And and my four-year-old son looks across, and he sees this ice cream machine. And it's one of those self-serve. You know the kind that you take the cone, and you put it on the bottom, and you move the handle, and it makes one of those swirls? It was one of those. 
And I feel this little tap on my arm, and I turned around, and I looked down to my son, and he said, hey, Mama, and I said, yes, baby, and he said, can I have an ice cream cone after breakfast? I said, baby, it is your decision. You get to decide. <laughs> turned back around. He looked. I feel that tap again. He says, hey, Mama, I said, yes, baby, big blue eyes looking up at me, Mama, can I have an ice cream cone for my breakfast? the baby it is your decision you get to decide boy he was gone I mean that swimsuit running around he gives him an ice cream he comes back he's got ice cream on his face on his chin on his belly on his toes and he is eating that thing and he looks up at me and he says mama coming here was a good decision I said yeah we had so much fun those kids ran every inch of that property, every inch of that hotel they were on. And now they were never out of my sight, but man, it was so much fun just watching them make their decisions and be free. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what would have happened if my kids would have wandered off that property? <laughs> an eight-year-old girl, an insult of four-year-old boy. If they would have gotten off that property and gone to a beach where there was no lifeguard, if they would have got into a city where no one spoke their language, no one to help them, but plenty of people that would want to harm them, can you imagine the decisions that they would then be forced to make? It's hard for me to talk about because those are my kids. And it would be more than I could bear to think that they were outside of my reach of safety, making decisions that I never intended for them to make. And I think that, I think that's a really good picture of God's goodness to us. You see, it tells us that the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. The boundary lines have fallen for you in pleasant places. God has defined a space and he said, hey, this is safe. And it's been fully paid for. And if you stay in this space, you can make all of your decisions in freedom. You can eat ice cream. You can have all the fun that you want. But if you wander off of the property, that's when the decisions are going to get really hard. And I would submit to you some of the hardest decisions that we are ever faced with are decisions that God never intended for us to make. The good news is if we do walk off the property... He's already decided he wants us back. He has already decided he loves you. He gave Jesus for you. He has already decided he's going to stick with you. The Bible says that he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He has already decided to forgive you. There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. So here's the real question. I mean, it would be great to rest in our decisions instead of worry about them. And you've got boundary lines in pleasant places. The question is, are you going to decide to stay on the property and find freedom in all those decisions that God's already made for you? I've got this sense that some of you may be here today, and the whole time I've been talking about decisions, you've been playing over and over in your mind a bad decision that you've made. And if that's you, I just want to say to you, a bad decision does not define you. If you made a bad decision, it does not mean you are a bad person. It means you're a person, and you just made a bad decision. 
And the world tries to tell us that we are nothing more than the sum of our decisions. And that is a lie because our decisions do not determine our identity. Jesus does. So, man, just, just hear me. You are one choice. You are one choice away from choosing life. And you may say, yeah, but man, choosing life to follow Jesus, man, that is too hard. It's not. It's not. The children of Israel, they thought it was too hard too. And look at what Moses told them. Moses said, hey, what I'm commanding you today, it's not too difficult for you. It's not beyond your reach. It's not way up in heaven so that you have to ask, who will ascend into heaven and get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it? No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you may obey it. Man, here's what I would say. It's not too hard to follow Jesus. He is very near you. He is very near you, and he wants to put answers in your mouth. He wants to put comfort in your heart so that you will have a desire to obey. And maybe because of that bad decision that you made, maybe you're in the middle of some circumstances because there are consequences to our decisions. And maybe you're in those consequences and you're thinking, I want to, but I just can't. Man, Jesus will walk you out. He's walked me out. He will walk you out. You say, how does he do that? He does it one next step at a time. And this is what he says. He says, whether you turn to the right or the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. And he will give you words of strength and words of courage. Because when we make good decisions, we still need strength because it's new ground. It can stretch us. We're pioneering. We're going where we've never gone. And if we get off the property, he's going to give us words of strength and directions of courage for us to come back home. Jesus made the decision. He made the decision to give his life so we could find ours. Jesus made the decision to forgive us so we can receive that forgiveness. So can we just stop for just a second? Can we just quiet the chaos of this world? And can we take back our power to choose? We need to take back our power to choose. And when we do, we will experience what Jesus said. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You want to know how we make decisions for life? We receive the grace of Jesus. He is the way. And then we ask God and we ask others and we find the truth. And then we live within the freedom of the decisions God has already made. That's the abundant life that he came for us to have. So we all have decisions to make. Decisions for the rest of our life. I want to encourage you. Can we make one decision today? that will change the course of the decisions of our life. Can we choose Jesus? Can we just choose life? We close your eyes. So let me ask you, what is that one decision? Maybe you're saying, I've got a lot of them. Okay, pick one. (laughs) What is the one decision that is just gnawing at you? Maybe it's that knot in your heart, what is the one decision that you're struggling with? And can you just put that decision before God and say, God, can you speak to me about this decision? I wanna choose life. I am so thankful that we have a good father who does care about us 
He cares about the big things. He cares about the small things. It matters to him because you matter to him. And he has made a way. He has made a way through Jesus that we can make decisions to choose life. And so, Father, I thank you for that. Jesus, I thank you for every decision that even in this moment is being made. I just declare by faith that it will be a decision to choose you. I believe it and I declare it. And I pray it in Jesus' name, amen.